Hello again, Claire English checking in with you all. And this week on Ripples, we've decided we might try something a little bit different. I did hint at it last time. So uh, we're going to head into the Twitter spaces zone for a kind of live stream podcast, a conversation really about the forgotten 500,000, the shielders who are still not protected against COVID despite the solution that is sitting in plain sight, Evershield. Well, the campaign to get this preventative treatment for shielders is picking up this coming week. So watch your media and social media for more on that. Of course, we know there's so much going on politically and economically at the moment for us all to get our heads round. But we want the health secretary and her team to revisit the possibility of giving patients some hope before winter returns. The science supports the rollout. Indeed, Evershield is being used already in more than 30 other countries. Yet here in the UK, in the place where the drug was created, we cannot access it. It's a long, convoluted road to where we are now, and we are extremely grateful that local and national politicians are getting involved in raising the issue. Lib Dem MP Daisy Cooper tabled a debate in Westminster Hall this last week there, uh, which certainly upped the ante. So, on the coattails of her debate, we thought Ripple should get its own panel to review what was raised, what was interesting to observers, and crucially, what has to happen now. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi there. I don't know if you can hear me. I think we are starting just now just to say hi to you all and maybe get you to sit down and make yourselves comfortable for a few seconds before we get going. Uh, there's a lot competing for your attention this afternoon. <laughs> Strange comings and goings going on at Westminster. But politics, of course, is the stuff of life. And that's what we're talking about with uh, this town hall or virtual village green, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and we're glad you're here. Got a lovely panel to update you on progress. And of course, we'll be talking about Daisy Cooper's uh, parliamentary debate. So I think what we'll do is We'll just see if we get cracking and if you can join us as we go along, that would be grand. Okay, getting more people in, wonderful. I hope uh, more people join us as we go on, but it's lovely to have the people that are with us. Let me welcome you, uh, especially this afternoon, because this is a fast moving day in politics. I don't know if you know, we've got a new chancellor already. Who knows what's gonna happen over the weekend? My name's Claire English. Um, I am a person who used to work for the BBC. I host a podcast called Ripples about the unintended consequences of... Sorry, uh, oh, we've got a problem. Are we okay? No, we're good. Okay, I'm just gonna go on. I do a podcast called Ripples about unintended consequences of big events and decisions. It started during COVID and it's led me here because of one of the participants today getting in touch with me and somebody I know who's going through this personally, a friend of mine who's also joining us today. Um, it's, we're focusing on the shielders, the people that have been putting their lives on hold for two and a half years, but they could have a fuller life, of course, if they got access to no, everything. Uh, that's why we're here today, two days on from a parliamentary debate tabled by Lib Dem Daisy Cooper. So uh, we're going to welcome everyone from the forgotten 500,000 for this brief session, maybe be on for about 20 minutes, half an hour, and we'll assess where we are. We'll have a bit of a trawl through what was said in the debate and where that leaves things. Uh, winter is coming. A, a rethink of the decision is really urgently needed. I'm going to introduce you to the panel now, massively well-informed, and that includes people who know what it's like to shield for so long. So welcome them all. Uh, I'm going to start off with you, Leonard, if you could just very briefly tell us about yourself. 
Hi, thanks for inviting me, Claire. It's fantastic to be here. Um, so I'm Dr. Lenley, medical oncologist at the University of Oxford, um, and I've been advocating for cancer patients, um, letting everyone know about immunocompromised patients, those who transplants, rheumatoid conditions, and really the issues that face right now in the pandemic. Thanks for having me, Claire. Lovely to have you with us, Martin. Hello, hi, my name is Martin Eve. Uh, I am a rheumatoid arthritis and vasculitis patient with uh, secondary immunodeficiency. Um, I've been shielding since March 2020, so I have very much a lived experience of uh, ongoing pandemic lockdowns and isolation, and I'm one of the coordinators of the Evershell for the UK campaign. Um, just my background, my day job is I'm a professor of English at the University of London's Birkbeck College. So not much going on there then, <laughs> quite a... Okay, Blanche, if you could take it away. Hi there, um, I'm immunocompromised. I have lupus and the drugs that I take have effectively wiped out my immune system. Um, I've been shielding since the beginning, and but nevertheless, I managed to catch COVID about eight weeks ago. I'm still very ill. Um, I do feel that if every shelter had been around, this would have been an enormous help. I've had five vaccines and two antibody tests that show zero response. Okay, so you know all about this. And Mark, you too, if you could introduce yourself, please. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name is Mark Oakley. Uh, I'm one of the immunocompromised. I have a condition called pulmonary sarcoidosis, um, which basically means my immune system is fighting itself. So I have to take a range of uh, immunosuppressants to keep my immune system shut down, more or less, um, which is why I'm stuck in this position. Um, I'm one of the, the co-leaders with Martin Eve and Nicola Brigden for the Evershield for the UK campaign, which is the patient group. Um, I've been shielding since March 2020, um, two and a half years in, it's about 900 and nearly 950 days, I think, not that I'm counting. Gosh, okay. A lot of lived experience there and scientific experience as well. Just to say that we're going to reflect on Daisy Cooper, the Lib Dem MP and real champion for Evisheld, uh, her debate in Westminster just a couple of days ago, short days ago. I might just open by telling you how she opened the debate. And the quote is, let me be blunt. The government have got this badly wrong. Some of our most vulnerable people are now in an impossible position, or as some of them have said, they've been left to rot. People with cancer, vasculitis, kidney transplants, multiple sclerosis, long-term conditions, rare diseases, and those on immunosuppressant drugs are crying out for a preventative drug Evershield. And why is that, she says? Well, for them, the COVID infection is just a deadly fact, more so than when we first went into lockdown two and a half years ago. She goes on to say uh, they do not mind a response to COVID through the vaccines like the rest of us. COVID isn't just a bad cold, an inconvenience. It's a killer disease. In a society where people are allowed to walk around with that killer disease without being required to wear a mask, test or isolate, nowhere is safe for the immunocompromised, not outside or inside. And that's how Daisy started it. So, um, Len, maybe I could ask you what your response was to, you know, actually hearing somebody voice this stuff at Parliament. It's, uh, it's really powerful, isn't it? I mean... What she's saying here is sharing the experience of lots of people at the moment during the pandemic. The fact that 
that, 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 that they're at risk, that they're vulnerable, and actually asking what they need. And I think it's fantastic democracy here, the fact that when people say what they need, it does get echoed in, in, in by other people who want to take up the cause. And she's a fantastic champion. And I think that is wonderful um, because um, she's really helping patients and, and their clinicians in making this issue known. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about Evershell. You're the science brain here, so if you would. Sure, so it's it's designed for people whose vaccines haven't worked properly. So uh, vaccines depend on you having a good immune response, but for some people who are immunocompromised, they don't respond to the vaccine. And this is a new treatment which can help them. It's an antibody treatment and it's given as a one-off dose and it gives a period of protection up to six months. Um, and studies have shown that it's working in America France and Israel and it's been rolled out across 32 countries and I think that's why people want to talk about it um, and yeah it's fantastic that she's, she's, she's actually uh, talked about this. And this is a British preventative drug that is not being rolled out in the UK but looked like it might do. Right. So it's, it's, it's approved for use in the UK, uh, it was approved in March by our MHRA um, but we haven't rolled it out yet. Okay, Martin, let me turn to you. Uh, you've been obviously following this debate very closely. What do you make of what came out of it? So I think there was an interesting response from the minister, which on the, on the face of things disappointed people and, and read like a canned response to uh, Daisy's you know, very well-informed intervention. Um, you know, we, we don't expect great things from the DHSC at this point. Most of their statements to date have, have not really held water. Um, on the other hand, they did say that they're still open to new evidence. They said they wanted to accelerate the NICE process. So that was an admission that actually this, this process that they've instigated for appraising it next summer is far too long. So there was a, a, a tacit admission that that process is, is not working. Um, and the door was open perhaps to um, some kind of U-turn and rethink of this in the light of new evidence that's coming out. Um, they explicitly said they're going to continue to evaluate new evidence. So, for example, a, a new phase four real world study came out just the other week that could be part of the evidence base that they'll they'll consider going forward. And I think basically they need to dig themselves out of the hole they've got into. They've they've created a political situation that is a total losing game. You know, the optics of denying a vulnerable patient population. Um, a life-saving drug is is pretty bad and you've got ex-conservative health ministers like Andrew Lansley going on uh, the Today programme on Radio 4 and calling it a failure of government. They need an easy win and really this is a door that they could push open. So I, I hope that, you know, although it, it read like a canned response, actually there were some some little chinks in that where we could see light coming through and, and the potential for, for the government to turn this around, make a positive story of it and still do a rollout for the winter season. Well, U-turn is the, um, the phrase of the day, isn't it? And the irony about all of this, Martin, is that uh, Jeremy Hunt, the former health secretary, has supported the rollout of Ebersheld in the past. Um, he's now going to be the new chancellor. He has, you know, that can only be a positive political development for us as far as we're concerned. Um, you know, on the other hand, he's probably going to have a few other things in his inbox at the moment. Um, so it's um, it's a challenging situation. I think also there's an interesting question about medical authority and how it's being used here in this process. So, so one of the things that's concerned us from the very start is that 
the whole process around how Evisheld has been appraised feels different to other drugs for COVID. You know, we've been very good at being reactive, for thinking on our feet at speed. Uh, when we've we've looked at say vaccines, for example, and that's great because it's it's given us great population wide protection. But then the question is why why Evershell is being subjected to these different demands for constant testing, constant evaluation, or this nice process that's going to take until next summer to complete. And really, we've we've been confused by that. But it, if you look at what the DHSC has said recently, it turns out that they they seem to be asking quite a curious group of people for clinical advice on whether we should do this. They listed two doctors as having been consulted, one of whom is a neurosurgeon, the other of whom is a cardiologist. And it just to us doesn't feel as though you know, the, the experts they're citing don't seem to be experts in the field of prophylactic immunological therapies. And that's, that's quite surprising to us at this point and raises a whole issue about this process that, that we need a politician to step in and, and try to fix. Mm. So get, get on it, Jeremy. <laughs> we'll see if he does a re-evaluation. I'm calling it a U-turn. That's only because I'm a horrible old hack and I've, I've called this thing a U-turn for, for a shorthand. But Mark, I mean, again, you've been following this debate. You were at Evershell UK. You're running a huge campaign. There are interesting things happening next week, which we'll come on to. But you know, I think from what Martin's saying, there are, there are nuggets, little kernels of hope in there. What do you believe? Because you are a patient as well as a campaigner. Yeah, I mean, from and I'll echo what, what Martin says, you know, we've been very much involved in, in the political side of this, um, both on the outside and on the inside. And it, it it's very, it, it's not a case someone's going to walk out with a piece of paper in their hand um, and say, we're going to do this bang and it's it's turned over it's unfortunately the nature of the politics that's involved and and the amount of people involved it's it's very much a case of getting those little chinks in the armor and then levering them open and i agree with i agree with martin that, you know that was very encouraging to see what's what's there on the face of it it doesn't look at it but but when you're involved like we are sort of behind the scenes you you start to see movement and direction and a day like today, you know, Jeremy Hunt coming in, that, that can put a whole different spin on things politically. Um, yeah, and it, it can put you in a complete spin as, as to where you go to next. As a patient sitting there listening to the debate, Daisy Cooper was so on the money with everything she said, and as were the other MPs. Um, because we should say, Mark, we should say this is not party pre. This is not about being partisan. This is a cross-party thing. Politics is the stuff of human life. We should be serving our citizens. This is not political point scoring here. No, it's not. And and when people sit on the outside, you know, there's all this politics doesn't matter and this kind of thing, or they're all the same. When you actually work with them and, and see what they get involved in, how much effort they put into to give a lot of them their credit. Um, and we've had MPs that weren't interested in the beginning, but through the campaign where we've contacted them and their constituents have contacted them, they've changed their opinion, they've got involved. And a lot were in that chamber in response to being contacted by our people that we represent. Um, and they raised some very good points and some very good questions that, that really put the case home. And as a patient sitting there listening to it, it actually the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and at some points it got quite emotional because some of those people that were mentioned 
we know who they are and we know their backstories and and just to hear that actually being mentioned in parliament by the people that that are representing them in that debate really was yeah it was very emotional well the hashtag forgotten 500,000 blanche uh, how did you feel when you heard the debate i know you were forensically scribbling notes for me really <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. Look, I thought it was very good. Um, I was very pleased at Daisy Cooper and how well informed she seemed to be and the tone that she put to it because it was a helpful tone. It wasn't negative in the sense, apart from the fact of we think you, you've made a mistake and we think you need to reconsider. Uh, and I think that, that was a very good time to take um, as Robert General. Um, I've also been, I have to say, been very pleased about um, the three politicians that I've contacted as a constituent, and they've been extremely helpful as well. So that's also, I know, happening there in the background. I, I was very interested. Uh, um, in, in things um, in the in the debate, one was the the notion that should only put a drug out that is absolutely perfect. It's safe. It's effective. It doesn't cost anything, and and it's going to cure everybody. But of course, the a these don't exist because humans are individuals. Um, genetically, genomically, so there's all sorts of reasons why something might not work for you. But if you add into that that um, we're dealing with a virus which is constantly evolving, you know, so we may have a perfect drug um, at um, 420, but by 425 that won't be the case. So the notion of um, the best is laudable, but it shouldn't it be the best under the circumstances? And which are that people who have no protection are at risk in a society that has abandoned yeah. restraint. And that seems to be the point that people are not getting. And I don't know why this doesn't, this isn't the the thing that is driving people. I, I don't know if Martin wants to jump in here because I'm thinking that that point Blanche has just made about the best under the circumstances for people that have no protection, give them something, but the government response is, you know, basically, well, you know, why, well, why does that not apply to Evershield? They've been doing it with other things, the vaccines. It seems a strange contradiction. I, I think, I, I, well, I do have a, a theory about why that is. Is, but I guess first, what I will say is that when, when we spoke with the DHSC, they were very explicit on the vaccine front that something is better than nothing. Um, but then in the same breath, they went on to say, but with Evershield, it feels as though it's, uh, uh, unless it gives you everything, we'll give you nothing. I suppose there is one thing to point out, which is that a dose of Evershield does cost a lot more well, than a dose well, let's of Let's be clear about that. And there may well be a healthcare economics yeah. argument going Let on behind the scenes ask you about that what would the cost be so that we let's be fair here you know they're not just going to be handing stuff out and bank rolling stuff but you know how much of a difference is there within a dose of Evershield and so vaccine we don't know the precise cost because costs are negotiated in bulk with um governments behind the scenes but if we look at the US figures we 
can get an idea. So the US government reserved 1.7 million doses at a cost of $855 million, which is approximately 500 US dollars per dose. So um, when I did that calculation in the first place, that was about 420 pounds, but now obviously it's probably about the same, uh, 500 pounds or so. So if you had 200,000 people, assuming that kind of level of take up, you'd look at 105 million pounds um, for, for that first dose of Evershield. Uh, the UK government spent over 12 billion on the vaccine program so far. So Evershield, you're looking at about 0.9% of the cost of the vaccine program to date is a kind of back of the envelope type figure. So it's in healthcare terms, this is not actually terribly expensive. The NHS budget is 500 million pounds per day. Um, I don't think it's too much to ask that when we're we're doing expensive treatments on people already, say chemotherapy, organ transplantation, surgery, we also need to protect those people then so they don't die of COVID and we don't just throw away the money we've already spent on their health care. We also know that these people are ending up in um, ICU units in disproportionate numbers as well. So you've really got a situation there where we could get the cost of ICU admissions down and see a saving to the NHS. Um, we can save, you know, help pressure on the NHS this winter, as well as the cost for the NHS this winter. You, Len, Len, sorry, Mark, you want to I jump was, in? I was just going to say, you know, and, and if it's not just hard, hard costs you have to look at as well. You've also got the external costs, because when you've got people stuck shielding, they're not an active part of the economy. They're not an active part of the economy that's out there working. Um, and a lot of people are in a position to, to do work. Um, many have given up jobs or have had to adapt the work they're doing. Um, so you've taken those people out of the workforce at a time when the economy is struggling to fill so many positions. Um, you're taking them out of the tax, the tax brackets because they're not contributing to that. And also in their spending as well, you're taking them out of the economy because they're not frequented places like restaurants, pubs. They're not going into shops and, and doing the you know the spur of the moment shopping that the economy needs so it's not just the hard cold cost of the drug um there's so many external factors to take in into account in the economic yeah model, that's quite it? it's quite a complex picture that maybe we're reducing it all down to well will they won't they but leonard the point is um scientists have got to persuade government people that are in there to represent us politicians that don't know anything about the science that what the experts are saying should be listened to and um, you know you're in a group of about 120 of them who all absolutely insist that Evershield is the best way to protect 500,000 people who are very very vulnerable because winter is coming and this isn't Game of Thrones this is real life and who knows what's going to happen to their health. I think you're right Claire um, cases of coronavirus are going up and actually I think we need to do a little bit better in the UK so experts in 32 countries have given the evidence to their governments and actually they've gone ahead with it. So what I'm hearing is that, just talking to my colleagues in Australia, um, the simple checks on everyone is, have they got coronavirus testing kits? Have they had vaccinations? Have they had Evershield? Three checks for immunocompromised people. I guess in the UK, we haven't got that yet. I mean, situations are changing. I, I know you talk about U-turn, but actually I would say this is just re-evaluating the evidence based on the confirming literature that's coming out around the world at the moment. Every country showing the same thing. It's working great. Um, it's fantastic and um, patients like it, it's, it's uh, stopping hospitalisation, it's stopping ITU admissions, it's saving money, which is fantastic. 
And I think we do need to make it a bit more of the case. And I think the 125 doctors are a start. And I think we need, we need to do more, actually, because I think what, what patients are telling us, they would like to spend Christmas at home and see loved ones and hug families and actually go out and have a better life than got at the moment. And I think Christmas is only a few weeks away. And actually, if there were any movement in this space at this time point, I think that would be fantastic, actually. Um, so, uh, Mark, Martin, I know you keep making the case that there's benefits. I think we know there's benefits. I think everyone does. We just need to communicate it outwards. And the, the clinical community are, are with you on this. Um, thanks. And that's it, Martin, isn't it? It is a communication uh, barrier really here to get through because it seems that there's an awful lot of evidence to back this up, but still it's not cutting through with the people that make the decisions. So one, one of the problems is that the, you know, the best form of scientific evidence you can possibly gather is a randomized control trial where you, you give half, half population a drug and you give the other half a placebo and nobody knows um, and you go out and then you see what the results are. And somebody somewhere wants a randomized control trial of Evershell against the most recent variant. But the problem is we've reached a point um, in randomized control ethics, which is called equipoise, which is the point where essentially you've already got enough real world data to show that it works, that it becomes unethical to give only half a patient population a drug that you are pretty sure does give some protection and works. Um, the analogy I've used before is it's like having parachutes that work 80% of the time in the real world and you might test them by giving them to only 50% of people jumping out of a plane. You just don't do it. It's ridiculous. Nobody would get ethical clearance to run that study at this point. Um, and so we're in this kind of blocking situation where there's a group of people who want this randomized control trial. There's nobody who's going to be willing to run it ethically. It just can't be done. And so we end up in this blocked situation. What we need to do is use the existing evidence, which is not perfect, it's not as good as a randomized control trial would be, but it's pretty solid. You know, we've, we've got multiple countries doing these phase four real world evaluation observational studies and seeing massive reductions in hospitalizations, deaths and serious outcomes. And we just have to go with that. It's not perfect data. It's not a perfect world. Um, I actually never wanted 2020 to happen funnily enough with this global pandemic it's not the world any of us wanted but let's deal with the world we have get some partial protection in place for these people use the imperfect data and monitor it ourselves and see how it goes um, that's that's what i think we should be doing right now and that's what we need the clinical response to. and blanche you know picking up on that point uh, about the, the idea of a trial as daisy cooper pointed out that trial would require lots of people to come out of shielding but they wouldn't have protection so that doesn't sound ideal either to say the least um, yes it, it it's it's a complete disaster um nobody would do it. it it's just a um sometimes i wonder if it's if it's a if there's some kind of stalling happening or or but I really think it's simpler than that. I, I think somebody to, um, if I can put it that way, it just does seem very odd. I mean, even though I, I've had two antibody tests, I know that I have no response to COVID vaccines, but I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be signing up to a trial like that. Let me ask, I don't know who would want to answer this, but, you know, the devolved parliaments and assemblies 
also is the UK government. Did they have to do that? Len, do you know that? Martin, do you know if that's the case? They've got their own uh, procedures for procuring the drugs. Um, and they're both a lot, certainly for Wales and for Scotland, they're a lot more simplified. Um, however, they, they both took a decision uh, and Northern Ireland has as well to fall in line with the Westminster and the NICE process. However, um, last Friday, the, the Scottish Health Minister did to, and looked at the cases of the people that were you know, compromised and he's actually changed his opinion and was contacting Therese Coffey. I think he's only changed um, to, it a little bit. He he's basically changed, still, yeah, he has. I mean, he's still going down the road yeah. of the trial. And I think, to be fair, I think that comes from a position of, even though he's a health minister, of, a, you know, a lack of sort of knowledge on the subject. Yeah. Um, but it's changed nevertheless. And, it, and it, it, you know, when, you, when you're in this position, it's another chink in the armour and it's a bit more encouraging. Can I? ask do we know who's on this rapid uh, COVID-19 expert team how they were qualified to make the best decision regarding Evershell does anyone want to proffer an idea about that Leonard I don't think I can comment on that actually because I think everyone's trying to make hard decisions in the pandemic they're trying to make it quickly um I, I think and I actually like to look to walk forward to the future actually here I think That's what true. the patients are asking us here is protect them before Christmas as the surge is happening and I, I hear that um that coronavirus cases are on the rise again and hospitalizations are up too so i just, I, I just want to look for the future here and uh, moving towards um, just get it out there and pilot it and see if it works actually just be very careful check the data as they come through make sure the drug's still working and i think that's what the pilot would do um going back to what martin says can i ask about the future and mark you'll maybe be able to help me out here from evershell uk Something's going to happen on Monday. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but can you intimate? Because um, momentum is gathering behind this now. And even before Daisy Cooper's fantastic debate opportunity, things were beginning to surface a bit more. But Monday's going to be an interesting day as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, yeah, interestingness is gathering. And, and there are so many good people out there that, that are coming on side with this, that, that you know can't see the logic behind the decision um and they're trying to get the, the word out as well so i mean basically i'd say is is have a good look in your newspapers on monday morning watch the tv and listen to the radio um a lot of good people have put a lot of hard work time and effort in, into helping us with this um that's about as much as i can say at the moment but it'll be yeah worth and large i think i'd heard that the health minister is planning to talk to MPs this week as well that was the intention uh, yes the the there's they've been invited to um speak to the scientific experts next Thursday uh, at 10 o'clock to put their questions directly to them so it will be interesting to see how many MPs turn up Absolutely. for that and what sort of questions they have so we there's certainly a great deal of activity um, and the work that everybody's done towards it seems to be fine. Well, we're into the sort of final moments of this. I don't want to keep anyone too much longer. We'll maybe do this again because it's been lovely to have people join us and uh, we'll build audience as we go on. And as this debate continues, especially after next week and we see what 
happens then. But if I can ask you all very briefly to sum up, what would you like to happen next? Starting with you, Dr. Laird. Um, well, first things first, I think immunocompromised patients need to be reassured now that we are behind you. Because I think you, we all know the, the, the mental health tour that you've been on there for being in lockdown and shielding for so long. Um, I think your doctors out there want to hear about what you're going through. We can try and help. Um, but also don't forget the patient group. So um, clinicians are really worried about immunocompromised people and we're there to look after you. Um, yeah, that's my comment. Martin, what about you? Um, I'd just like the, the clinical advisory community to look again at this and, um, and the real world observational studies and hopefully to see, see that there is a way forward here and we, we could launch. I really want them to uh, release Evusheld in whatever form they can by way of pilot, by way of, it's, it's just so important. And winter is going to be horrible and bleak without, the, the thing about Evusheld is that it, it's hope. And currently there isn't any, and that's, a pretty devastating thing to have to live with for the next six months, watching everybody through my window as they go about their lives. Absolutely. And Mark, what about you in terms of if people want to agitate for this, where do yeah, they go? There, There's a website, there is indeed, isn't there? Um, GetEvyShield.uk. Um, if they go onto there, there's a lot of information. Um, also, there's a Facebook group, um, Evyshield for the UK. There's all sorts of information on both of those. There's um, things that they can take part in. There's lots of template letters for their MPs, et cetera. And there's, there's advice as well. And, and just to be able to talk to other people in a similar position, um, you know, it, it gives you some really good reassurance and, and with the mental health as well. So we're here and we will take anybody on board and do whatever so we can to help. Watch this space on Monday and also huge thanks I guess on everybody's behalf for the MPs from all parties that have really got stuck into this now and are beginning to really really engage with it and thank you for your engagement we're out of time we we have to keep the momentum going with the Evershell UK campaign to get some action before winter and winter certainly is coming. Uh, watch your tellies, listen to your radio, scan your newspapers and of course Twitter, social media. We can't say too much, but by close of play on the 17th, I think everyone will know a lot more about this cause. Please help us to do that. Lobby your MPs, cross party, it's not partisan. Tell your GPs, your friends, your families, anyone who's interested why this government on, needs to make a decision on Evershield and it needs to be made very quickly as well. Please do keep following Dr. Leonard Lee, Evershield UK, Daisy Cooper and any MPs in the devolved parliament, assembly reps as well to push the case. Um, it's a window of opportunity. We need to grab it. We may do another Twitter space event soon because it's it's been good to do this and we're really glad you spent the time. Finally, I do a Ripples podcast. It's on all platforms. I'll continue to watch developments and the Evershield campaign and all the charities will continue to watch developments too and those scientists. We want this to happen. Let's do it. Thanks for your time and your interest. Take care. Mm -hmm.